Welcome to Humanistic Perspective, Episode 5. Today's episode is entitled, New Administrations and Mindsets. We've got a really exciting show for you guys today. Uh, I'm joined with on this episode, Ethan Castilla, Lillian, and Jonathan. Uh, It should be another great episode. We have tons of topics we cover. We hit everything from the new administration and uh, how that could affect businesses and small businesses. We talk about mindsets and laziness and really uh, talk about how we think that's plaguing a lot of people right now currently. Um, We also talk about our tools for how we self-motivate ourselves and keep focused in a uh, crazy and treacherous time that we are living in nowadays. Um, And then lastly, we move on to talk a little bit about business grants, and then uh, we contemplate the value of money at the end of the show. So it's a really exciting one. I can think you can really tell and listen as as you uh, get deeper into the show that we really open up and we're really starting to uh, feel natural and and just sort of reflect ourselves. Um, And and I'm really excited again to just see the show grow and sort of see us play and mold our format as well as molding the content that we produce for you guys. So without any further ado, uh, let's get into this episode and I hope you like everything you hear. Peace. Welcome to A Humanistic Perspective, episode five. Today it is January 20th. 2021. What a great day to be alive. This is your one of your main hosts, Ethan, uh, and I'm joined by Chad Castilla, Lillian Clare, and Jonathan Dufresne. What a great day. So today we're just going to get into uh, some light topics. We're going to go all over the place. It's going to be an open conversation. Uh, but Chad, if no further more, let's start off and tell us a little bit about the tea we're drinking today. Yeah, so this is episode five. And up until now, we have yet to feature a single tea on the show. So I thought we'd start with one of the classic brands. Um, and we are drinking one of the Limpton, Limpton homemade teas. You mean um, Lipton. Lipton. My bad. Did I say Limpton? Limpton. Oh, right, man. Limpton. Under the London. Um, Limpton. Um, we're drinking their green tea infused with passion fruit. So if you guys want to take a sip, maybe tell me how it's going, how it's tasting. I already it's have. Our, f- our first tea of the day. How do you guys feel about teas? I enjoy tea more at night, whereas coffee, I definitely enjoy it more in the morning. For sure. I was very shocked that a tea could have this much flavor without any added things in it. So this is, I I feel like I get a lot of different mixed tastes on this tea. Yeah, now Lil, you are our uh, common tea drinker. Do you want to maybe take a sip and, and tell us how you're feeling about this tea as you drink one pretty much every episode, no matter whether we have coffee or not? Should I make it a nice loud sip? Sure, why don't we do some ASMR for the people? It's not going to really be ASMR, but okay. Oh, God. Oh, then is it too hot for you? Yep. <laughs> I took a sip Fantastic. and it burned me. Um, <laughs> it's getting it was, hot in um, here. It tasted like water because mm. it hasn't brewed enough. <laughs> but um, otherwise, the passion fruit, you know, passion fruit is one of those things that I've never actually tried by themselves. But whenever I try them, well, try it in different foods, I can always distinctly tell that it's that fruit. Wait, passion fruit is an actual fruit? Yeah, it's Have you an never actual seen fruit. a passion fruit? Wow. It's like a pink little um, ball with a tip. And where are these Or from? no, that's a grapefruit. Maybe. You don't know uh, what... Argentina. Argentina. You don't know what Drake, tre- uh, what Drake preaches about in his song? Passion fruit? Yes. Oh, I am an, I'm a dud. It's such a good song. But yeah, no. So today, let's start off with this topic and get right into it. It's inauguration day. How are we feeling about it? I mean, I mean, I saw some footage. 
I believe the Capitol right now is it's pretty much it's like a castle. It's on lockdown. There's a lot, a lot of security. A lot of stuff I will going say on. that um, earlier today, I just got an overwhelming sense of just calm. And I don't know if it was because of the place that I was in, but I also happened to think about the new presidency and just a new change going on. And for just a second, I just felt calm and peaceful. And then I started thinking mm. about all the bad things that could happen. So why don't you guys go into that? Yeah, well, I think uh, talking to James this morning, um, he's a very rural man, he's, sure. uh, but he will be helping actually take a lead role in our Prismatic Solutions company. And he brought up the point of where we possibly might see in the Biden administration the shutdown of the pipeline from Canada that Canada owns. Is that, and that the gas pipeline? Correct. Oh, that'll be so fantastic. That's amazing. That's an amazing thing happening. That's an amazing thing happening Environmentally. If, if someone has to pay for it, right? So by doing this, now gas costs are going to start to increase to, you know, back to seeing that 4 to $5 a gallon. That's okay. amazing because it's going to promote um, electronic um, cars and stuff like that in a Great. more environmentally people, friendly And how many people world. have to travel over 170 miles a day and the average consumer cannot pay for the farthest range Tesla right not now? Not right now, not with COVID and right. everything Right, so that's a great on. thing right now? I, I don't think so. I think, I think it's me. a great thing because it'll definitely push companies to start changing and I think we need that immediately. I think it'll be interesting. You know, I, I, I see it more from the economic standpoint as inflation comes and goes, right? So as the price of one commodity goes up, the price of another might go down. But it's going to be unique. In the short term, it's going to fucking suck, right? Prices going up. And I don't want to pay $4.50 a gallon. Forever. I drive a pickup Great. truck. Now look at this. Most businesses who rely on this, looking particularly to my medical transportation company, my costs have now times 2.5. So now I'm making a profit margin of not even a third. Right. But now, remember, we're, we're, our agenda is uh, getting our $15 minimum wage. Right. Well, I can't pay for your increased gas, like the gas costs, plus minimum $15 an hour wage. Right. It puts you so in a now what am I going to do? Find anything I can autonomize so I don't have to pay for laborers. Oh, now you're going to complain your job's gone. Well, you wanted it. Sure. Yeah, I think I think we're making a lot of ties here, but it's it's going to be difficult, I think, as a. As a business person and an innovator, like when you see when you see a, a move towards or the potential of initiatives like this, it, it can it can really be devastating and it could be very very risky in its own regard. I feel like. And it's interesting to see just as um, old jobs are taken out by new technologies, how new jobs are created by yeah, that same. technology. You can technology. say there's new technologies and new jobs being created, but the amount of industries that are are being diminished in this daily need, and then we look for this now. Biden's planning to put in a one point or what is it? One point nine trillion. One point nine. Yeah, right. one point nine trillion. And why do you think that wasn't passed with previous President Trump? Because it's there's a lot, a lot of, of stuff in that bill that's going to the wrongful needs. Over over nine hundred million dollars are being put towards towards China. China. Do you know how much money that could help with our small businesses? The people that are. Are, are fending for their lives. The people that have spent years and years of building their family businesses to support those who want a good wage. I would just like to say that I think a lot of the jobs that have gone to China, I think should be brought back into the United States, but it'll just um, bring up prices and you, a lot and more. Do you think, and do you think that with Biden, we're going to become with stricter policy and, 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 and having more of those things brought back to the U.S. countries? Those things that have now gone overseas, you think with the Biden administration, those are going to come back? 
Well, they weren't going to come back with a Trump administration well, either. Right, because he wasn't the one that wasn't working on policies harder than any other president. Strictly so, with China. With Biden, though, I'm not sure exactly what he's doing in regards to your question. That would be something we would look up, which I think Chad is right now at the moment. So why don't you give your insight on that once you... Jake, how about you talk about some of the agendas and plans that Biden's been, that have scared you maybe? Um, it's, well, also for any corporations, I mean... Oh, talk about the tax increase from 21 points... 21% to, to 28% for corporate, for corporations. Um, and Which has been done before. It happened, it happened, the last sure. time it happened was like, I believe 2006, we were at that rate. We were in that range. Yeah, and which how was. Do you think, how do you think Biden care if that comes will affect our companies? Well, I'm and not the sure. Industry. Well, I'm not sure because with Obamacare, when that was initiated, it really strained the state's budgets, which um, allowed for there to be less money given to NEMT providers. So I'm just very interested because I don't personally. Biden hasn't really come out with a, a guaranteed plan um, for his health care. I haven't really seen it at all um, in terms of what his plans are for Biden care. I mean, anytime he's talked about it in in any of the interviews, he he's very vague, and uh, I I you know I don't know I I'm very it's I think it's funny um, when you look at China, okay. Sorry about that, folks. I'm on CNN, and they had a uh, pop-up here. I'm just trying to read through, see if I can find out what's happening with the spending here. And across multiple sources, it looks like, you know, we're going to see $1,400 per person. What? $1,400 per person, sure, but... We're going to see uh, enhanced unemployment aid. Those well, the thing is... About $400 per week. The and thing is... is paying back that trillion of dollars? of about $25 billion. Um, why, doing... why are we giving money to people... When people can still get a job, when I see places still saying hiring and people are instead sitting on their asses, collecting from the government and trying to go around well, and use the system when there's jobs available, don't complain. Get your ass up and work. I'm well, sick you, of everyone having everything wanted and handed. Well, the them. thing it's not well, the, how life works. Well, the like, thing is, though, is that, Ethan, I mean, you can say that for the average average job person that, yeah, I lost my job, but... What if it was like your situation with the business initially with COVID where you lost your whole business? Right. Then I was willing to go out and find any other ways of means of making money. I didn't sit on my ass and rely on the government. I went and applied to go find jobs I could work in stores that were still hiring. I did anything to support my businesses and keep them alive. Because I'm not one to fend. I'm one to go get it for myself. Because I know nothing's The problem is, handed. too, is I think you're making a, a, a starch generalization that everyone can conform their mental state to this exact philosophy style in which you live in and that's where it's hard that's where i think this is the education system too at to some degree i mean it all lack trends of down to all that but again there's a lot of those things that shouldn't have ever happened that have led people to be in these positions so i'm not making any excuses for someone who's just sitting at home trying to just collect a check and not go out when they could get a job but i'm just saying a lot of people are affected mentally with this COVID thing to the point where they are terrified to go out their door because they think they're going to die. Well, that's because it's also been rigged by the media and well, everyone's fearing for their lives for reasons. I'm not saying COVID isn't real. I think it, it is. Yes, but it again, is. you can't be you can't be living your life in for fear. Again, I'm one to believe this is my personal opinion. So again, it's my opinion. But I think everything happens for a reason. And if you're going to keep living your your life within fear, 
because I know I'm not going to take the vaccine as a person, right? So what is going to change my state in my life over the next three years? And that's my personal decision, right? So I'm still going to be precautious. I still wear a mask and put in the regulations. Do I agree with some of that stuff? No, because if you look at the filtration and how COVID spread, I mean, there's really no relevance there either. But if it makes others feel comfortable, I'm going to do that to respect them. Okay, but again, why would you continue to live in fear when this is going to be an everyday situation? I think especially for many young people, I mean, if there's any fear with younger people, I mean, the amount of the survival rate for for our kind of age of people is, is so high. Now, now, sure, if you have if you have, you know, like cautious or if you people that are vulnerable people that are vulnerable or have, you know, these diseases or things that may make them even more vulnerable. Sure, I would worry. But, but again, if you're being, I just don't see the point in living for fear. That's my thing, I guess. Some people are afraid to get a job because they're afraid of their own life. Some people are afraid to get a job because they're afraid of their parents' life and they're afraid of elderly people. Or you can make more money on being unemployment and that's what they like, not being, you know, that's the other thing too. That's some people, but it's not everyone, you know? Yeah. You guys, uh, I wanted to bring this up from my readings today. So, um, currently I'm in a class that we're learning about uh, Buddhism and the origins of that culture. And we're talking so heavily about mental state and how humans are, are sort of, we're sort of our own being and our own like demise. And there's this quote that I wanted to read here. Um, and it, and it was from the text of Mara, which is, uh, when, when Buddha or, or, um, when Buddha was going through his journey of realization, um, this was something that came to him and, and, and Mara spoke to him and said, your first, your first army or your first enemy in this regard is desire. Your second army is discontent. Your third army is hunger and thirst. Your fourth army is ceaseless clingingness. Your fifth army is laziness and sleep. Your sixth army is fear. Your seventh army is doubt. And your eighth army is pretense and stubbornness. And I really think these these simplistic concepts and these fears that that are uh, holistic and transcend across all of our own humanistic experiences that we go through are really at the core root and to blame for why some of these things and why people don't get off the couch and do it. And I really think if we spent more time trying to come to a conscious understanding or really, really learn the ins and outs of who we are, why we are, and how we can change that, I think we would grow. I think people need to open up and be vulnerable. Stop living in this hidden fear. I hate, I hate, 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 and that's a strong word. When I come across people that have an opinion and in front of me, they're going to act with a certain mood of of sadness or disappointment, or they're not expressing their feelings. Okay, when you're not being vulnerable, how are people supposed to understand how you're feeling? Okay, so many people are scared of being vulnerable. And it, yeah, it, it's it's something that's very hard for a lot of humans to do. But I think that it's the most human thing that we can do is is to be fully self aware, and that's something that's very hard for a lot of people to accomplish. Are there things that you guys do, or some tips or tricks you could think of off the top of your head that could help someone? get closer to this type of lifestyle i would find one person that you can trust start off with that one person you can trust and open up to express your feelings and stuff like that okay we 
one of the biggest things is growing up in the household I did and, and facing all the different challenges and diversities we did in our household, right? I took I tended to just bottle everything up. Bottle everything up in the sense of I was able to the things that were happening in my life, I was able to come up with an explanation of the reason of why those that made me content in the moment. Okay. And all those things were learning processes for me. And now where I've gotten to a certain point, I've been able to still remember all those things and those things that I bottled up, but now being able to express them in a different way for me to get past that being a, a personal block. So I think it's starting off with yourself and figuring out yourself and being honest with yourself and then being able to put in a position of... But how do you be honest with yourself? I think that's a great question. How 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 do you because I think I know, but I just want to hear yeah, your you, perspective of how do you be honest with yourself? I you know like the, the statements I make, right? Again, I I live with no regret. I say what I feel in my mind cuz that is a feeling I have. Right, having. we're asking how you got there. How do I get there? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just do it. So for me, one way that I really that's try to assess and there. know what and how I'm feeling think about is that, that for, for another episode. I will just Honestly, I'll just sit there for a long time. And if something, if someone said something to me that like kind of triggers me, then I'll like stop. And it's usually an uncomfortable feeling. I'll feel it like where I would always say my heart is, but <laughs> your sights, your heart is more to the left rib cage. But just in the middle of my chest, I would just feel this like kind of just like squeezing feeling. And that makes me know that like I was uncomfortable or that I didn't like whatever someone said. And so then I would just think it over and think, what was it? Like, what about it? And then it just depends on the situation. I can't say what anyone's situation is, but then I'll just come to the conclusion of what it was and I'll either accept it inside of myself or I'll bring it out and I'll say something to someone when I'm comfortable. But really the part that is difficult for me is to initially say something after I realize what it is because coming to the conclusion of figuring out what upset me is easy but then saying something is something that I have trouble with just because of my anxiety sure yeah and and there's dwelling deep down because I've also known a lot of people have personal experiences which get to a point of that Mm -hmm. and which is where I need to have more understanding but again me which is different because not everyone's story is the same and you have to be willing to acknowledge that. And I am willing to acknowledge that and it's hard some for my hard mind because I'm sure. such a strong person, right. I would say. But I'm not even a strong person. I break down. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to break down. Yes. I would but say... But like one of the big things is... Go for it. If you guys... If you were to fail, right? Or living mm-hmm. in the past, things that have happened in the past that have bothered you, right? Or let's say you had a bad relationship with someone. Someone you had a really good relationship with something bad happened, right? When that happens... Would you be scared to confront that person? Would you run from it? Would you block it? What would you do? When, when that happens, what do you guys personally each do? I would love to hear your opinion. When, when something in your past that was a bad moment in your life of something you're scared of and don't want to think of, do you bottle it up? Or what is your way of action? Because I have a, a thing that goes I, catered to this. How do you deal with that? I or what think, does that mean to you as a person? How do you I think do- naturally and specifically... During my freshman year of college, the human instinct and my instinct was to bottle it up like you were going for, like the what you were trying to get at there was to initially take it all in and just live in it and own it and just sort of dwell and drench myself in those thoughts rather than doing something about it. But it wasn't until I really started contemplating, until I took time instead of dwelling, I used that same time to think critically on the same thought. 
And when I th just changed my, literally just the lens that I processed the exact same thoughts through, and I finally confronted it. So what you're saying is, in the end, I think you do need to confront it. But great. I think and the that's problem, point, but there's the hard part it. is, is understanding that. I think what people could really take away from this is understanding that your gut and when you sit and you are contemplating, it's probably telling you a truth. And it's and sometimes it is scary to look in the reflection and see that truth. But seeing that truth is the only way you're going to break that mirror. Sure. Jake. Yeah, I think that to go off of that, I think I think everyone has self-esteem. What is your personal? I guess I'm, I'm asking each one's everyone's personal opinion and then we can go into more detail there. <clears throat> About like what my thought process is? When, when a thing in the past has put you in a way of thinking bad or something you're scared of in the past, how do you deal with that? Um, at this point, I've realized that I have to just face it completely and do it all, do, do the whole, the whole nine yards, everything all the way through thinking, feeling bad about it, learning it. So you almost have it. like a, I, I hate to say this word cause I don't want to use it, but like a grieving process with yeah. coming to terms. Yeah. Coming to terms. Like I feel like it's worth, it's, it's a waste of my time for it to just continue to just banter in my head. So what is when the I process? Be... You were just starting to say it a little bit. Yeah. So it's like, if I had like something, like something big that happened to me, like for example, with like, when I was going through my parents' divorce or something like that, there were a lot of times where I just didn't feel like I was, you know, I didn't feel like I was like, strong enough to deal with it and so what i did was is i just questioned myself i just said why why am i feeling these things and i could never validate any of the feelings that i was having i kept just realizing that everything that we do all of our thoughts are just we're we're ferrari engine whenever we have a thought it multiplies and gets even stronger and stronger and stronger until it's the ex most extreme version of what you're feeling and then that's when you realize wait a minute I'm I'm controlling that. I am in control of my own feelings. Can I go that, to the sociological, I mean the psychological side of that once you're done? Yeah, sure, sure thing. But I'm in control of my own feelings. It's one of the only things that I am in control of. There are so many things that I've realized that I can't control anymore and I've learned to just let those things go. Great. And that's a great that's a great. You have to let them go. Lily, I would before we touch on that cuz I think that would be a great aspect after the next point. I want to make what do you personally those things and things in your life? Well, so I wanted to struggle. say really quick that the brain situation that he was talking about is actually your brain just being lazy. And so once you agree. have a thought, like your brain sends off the same synapse because that's what it's used to. And so it's literally a difficult process it, like to rewire your brain. Yes. Yeah. Like being being sad, being tired, being lazy is is a synapse and chemical problem. It, it can get to that point, just like anything else. What was the question again, Ethan? When you deal with things in the past that bother you or you're scared of, how do you deal with those things as a person or and to move forward? So I would say the most difficult thing that I have dealt with in my life is really just trusting people. And so in that sense, I mean, when I was younger, like, I had two best friends that kind of screwed me over and for the rest of my life I just thought that everyone was against me besides the fact that I just was getting bullied when I was younger but <laughs> um would you so, be scared to see those people that did that to you again would no. you would you would you not no. want to see them I wouldn't be scared because I've already talked to them about it and if I had a situation where it was myself that was rude to other people I hope at least that I've 
hash that out with everyone because I don't like leaving bad vibes. Or so my like fronts that. her things head on. That's good. Once I'm comfortable with it, I do. You because have to get to that point of comfort. She needs yes. comfortability. Yes, because it, it does take me a long time to but get notice to how the comfortable it's comfort- spot. It's, yeah, it's about getting comfortable. It's not dwelling. It's not necessarily like that you're living in it and you're going to allow that to just send you into depression. You live with it. You kind of acknowledge it and you say, I'm not necessarily ready for this yet, but I'm not going to allow it to depress me. I know I'm going to have to deal with it. Yeah. So how I handle these situations, the main thing, okay? When I have something I'm scared of or dwell in the past, right? I don't, that comfort in my head, I realize that that comfort is not going to mean anything. I can feel comfort. That's going to make me feel better inside and great. But if I'm going to get past this moment and get it past it the fastest so I can continue on with living in the moment and not dwelling a second on the past, it is to find any opportunity to learn from that failure or that thing that scares me. Learn from it and then move forward. That's it. If you don't find a way of learning from that confrontation, that is the point. You have to learn and move forward. Yes, the past is scary. But you can never time travel. That's what I've gone over in my head multiple millions of times is that I wish I could go back and change this. I wish I could go back and do this instead of that. And really, you can't. You just have to move on. And that's where all the things that have bothered me in my life i just try to accept them and i try to say okay this is what's happened this is how we move on and sometimes it's not that easy sometimes i can say that about 50 times in my head before it actually happens before i actually believe it and really feel it but you have to fake it till you make it and i think until people start to do this on a regular basis until you can realize as a person that i can do this i can move past this right for me it was all these moments and all these things i've dealt with that have been so horrific in my life i've realized i could get past it which has now made me to the point of where my brain can think of these things so fast and get past these moments right so you have to be vulnerable in a sense which you're willing to move past these and recognize this and that's what makes me be able to think of all these things so fast and move forward any problems that arise i'm able to do that but that's because i've known from the past how these situations work and i know i'm going to get past this moment so now what am i going to take out of this to learn from it and go towards the future yeah, it's um. go ahead, Jonathan. I can't remember. Oh, what I was going to say is like everyone has self-esteem. Everyone deals with it on a daily basis. Whether you say you don't, you do. Everyone has insecurities. Everyone has self-esteem. 100%. But it's what you do with that self-esteem that matters the most. You can either take that self-esteem and self-deprecate or you can take that self-esteem and like you said, learn from it self-improve yourself i would and say I that you're the, your own cheerleader you're the only one that you truly you know a hundred percent what the thoughts the thing, are in I your think head you can have cheerleaders and this is where i say the aspect of who you surround yourself with allows you to come to this but point. like a cheerleader if you're surrounding I mean yourself if you're surrounding yourself positively sure yes but there's other people if you're surrounding yourself with the right people that should be around you you're gonna have those cheerleaders where people say you're really b- bottom line down to yourself you are but then if you can choose as a person to surround yourself with those people that are going to build you up for the person you are at that moment and then realizing that those people like that you were that were building you up five years ago are not the same people that need to be around you to build you up now unless they're on the same level than you. And people get so scared of change. relationships and change in relationships. You got to understand that you're growing as a person and those people may not be growing, but you'd be grateful for that moment and that time you had with that person because they developed you into the person you are today. That's what you're grateful for. 
I would say that I'm very grateful for you guys around me right now just because you motivate me to get up every morning and work out and then work hard and make sure I'm working diligently. Whereas that's something that I've definitely struggled with is staying on focus, staying on task. And it's something that I'm working harder to get to every single day. And it's a, it's a struggle. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I very much have... I feel like I could always work harder and I always am like thinking about ways that I could improve myself. But I feel like that's a great mindset to have is to never be satisfied with the work that you're doing and always wanting more. That's how the most successful people have always lived. You shoot for the highest. I always shoot with high optimism because when you put yourself in the presence of you're already there and you can believe in it, you see the vision. When you allow these, you know, receptors or, or, or this, these moments of possible disappointment, that's what will knock you down because you're setting limits on yourself of what you're capable of. And the thing is, those little setbacks are the things that make you think the most and that really um, decide and drive your path, I would say, is that either you learn from those bad things that happen and you become a stronger person or like we've been saying, you just dwell in it. Yeah. No, I think that's a great, that's a great, I think that's a great human, human understanding there of something maybe we deal with every day, but. Yeah, cool. I wanted to bring up, I recently watched with Lily a Netflix documentary called Icarus. I also watched that as well. Jonathan was there with us as well. Yes. Uh, Very, very interesting. For anyone who hasn't seen it, I just want to give a little context. It has been taken to trial. It's gone through the court system. It's gone through the Olympic system. um, And it is known that Russia was involved in state-sponsored doping of hundreds upon hundreds of Olympic athletes, all the way dating back as far as 1968, up and through through 2018, I believe, is when the final court case was was being processed and going through the system. It is insane to me how simplistic, and if, if anyone hasn't seen the documentary, basically, it opens up with this documentary uh, guy. Let me see if I can find his name. He wants to see and learn how doping works, right? He was curious more about Lance Armstrong and how he doped himself through all these bicycle races, and that came out. And he wanted to see, is it possible to pass these tests and to fake them? Well, through that process, he got connected to this Russian doctor who is in head of the firm that would test for the Olympics for the entire Russian team. And he was ordered by Putin, by all the higher-ups of the uh, formerly known KGB to be conducting and going through this. And it was happening all the way through Sochi when they hosted the Olympics there. I mean, it is crazy. Everyone, the swim team was doped. The fucking every, everyone, over 30 athletes for the Sochi Olympics were, were doped. The track and field team, everyone, pretty much everyone but the figure skaters. And it's really funny because um, – I was listening to an episode of Rogan, and the guy who made the documentary was on, and he says oh, wait, the only reason it? the only reason the figure skaters weren't doped was because it actually threw off the extra testosterone and all that threw off their coordination on the ice. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like all that extra would, would kind of make the muscles spasm but a little bit. Could you believe the biggest thing, the thing that brings some countries that are so small, all of their significance, all of their worth in this world, has just been built on cheating lying deceiving i mean that's our whole world that's why i have no crazy amusement to that i mean that's we see that every day in everything people are we we are living in a time of manipulation some people are just better at hiding it than others when you look at jeffrey epstein how many years did it take us to figure that out come on now guys like you gotta like this is normal stuff we could bring this up with every topic every world issue 
everything is bad. I mean, look at the SBA, even with the I, I, or the EIDL grants, okay? Businesses, right, the grants that are being received, which are millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, billions, um, the, EI, the EIDL grants are being delayed because of a change of CEOs, right? They're delaying months or literally like, you know, over 21 days because they knew that the rollout of someone else doing it in that position would be, would cause significant things. Right. And you got to realize these points. There's a lot of bad leaders in this world. Now, do you think what the, the interesting topic I wanted to bring up with this is like, if this has been happening, clearly every other country is probably doing it to some extent or trying to, or thinking of how to. So do you think we should change the sports? Should the Olympics be the best of the best, doping or not? Like, would you want to watch that? Like, would you want to see all contestants being extremely doped out? Like I the feel most like physical no, athletes not, they that's not what That's not what you were born here for. When you start to put those enhancers, I mean, you were bored and born and made a person. But what do, you, what do you say to the people who say, well, life is about advancing, similar with your business, and these athletes just want to be able to perform and at give the, a show at, at, the, an, best. at sure. the best extent? And that's another thing where I look at, like, again, one thing. You know how we were talking about Elon Musk in the past show? I don't honestly think I would be ready to talk to Elon Musk. I feel like my knowledge is not far so, enough along. It's so minuscule compared to his. Yeah, I don't think I'm – I really would – I would prefer to talk to Elon Musk in six years rather than this year. You know, and I, maybe not six years, but, again, like <sighs> – I used to say the same thing too, though, with Dave Matthews. Is like I always, I used to say even to Jonathan, I don't want to meet him unless I can meet him, like just as Chad. Like I just want to meet Dave as Chad and be able to have a beautiful, deep, philosophical and intellectual conversation with someone who just understands me and sees me as a human first, right. not a not fan. as a fan. Yes, not as someone that just gawks and says, "I, you're so amazing." We are humans. We're here. I mean, yeah, it's just crazy to me. I mean, when you think of just how messed up the world we're living in is it's like we need to get back to touch people need to wake up i mean people are being taken advantage of by but i think this is something too that is far far bigger and far, and has far more reach than just the generation we're living in i don't think that necessarily when we say for us this is a time of instrumental change because it's our first time at seeing the corruption it's our first time up at dealing with all of these problems but it's been going people on who are for 80, generations for them it's a fucking status quo. I'm sure they thought these same thoughts when they were young, and they had these same prophetic feelings, but nothing got done done for them. The so one th statement I will agree with, which, which that is, the richer get richer and the poorer get poorer. Okay, you can be in that wealthy position. So I don't really have any empathy for people that aren't in those situations, but I would agree with this, the situation of the richer get richer and the poorer get poorer. And that's because when you have wealth, you have power. When you have wealth, you most assumingly have knowledge. And that puts you in a position farther more than, you know, it puts you in a, a position where you're far more ahead than most people are. But the question is, is when you have, when these richer people have more they have wealth. Control, and have then there's more... bad people that have wealth. And those bad people are getting in positions of control. Right. But what I'm saying, though, is, is that when you have... A major when you have a total of like 10 to 50, 50 like when you have 50 people that control probably about uh 25 percent of the world's wealth do you think that that's equitable equitable and i'm not I saying that it should point, be there's a point and of monopolization there is 
And I'm not saying but that. But I also know that if I was in that same position, right, I, I would I would use the funds and disperse of the funds way differently because I think at a point. But I also think there's a lot of things that are blocking. Again, we don't really know where these guys are dividing their wealth. I, I, I hate to base my opinion off of the media. Okay, until I'm able to talk to that person in person, understand what where they're coming from as a person, I hate to put an opinion and stipulation out there of something where I don't know the full truth of. I mean, that's that's why I like to just express my thoughts and then try to figure out are my thoughts accurate or not. And that's where I love to. I I, I don't like when people have confrontation with someone and they're not willing to listen and learn because I think that's what's important. I wish we lived in a perfect world where all billionaires and trillionaires, um, millionaires, gave their money to um, good programs that help progress. But what do you consider a good program? The universe, I would say a high-speed rail system. I'd say vertical farming, um, cultivation but, in order to would, help I would the country. Dif- I would, I would say farming and there's, there's Hey, have her finish. I would say going into Africa and replanting all the trees and making sure that everyone in Africa has clean water and make sure all the other poor countries in the world have water and food and that they're able to um, make their country as big as America because there shouldn't just be huge world powers. We should all be a world power and we should all be able to right. enhance each other. And then you could other. look to our governments that of, would of be where their misspending is going world. to. When you look at our governments and the amount of people that are taking personal gains within your government. So I would not even touch the private sector until you start disciplining your government sectors. I just want to say that. Our government sectors don't distribute their wealth into positions that could benefit so many more people. We're giving money to China and other foreign countries because they have stuff on us. We're giving them money strictly because it's payoffs. What if that money went to those causes you're saying? Right. And then we rely on the private sector separately. And I think there is plenty of private sector people that are investing in many of those initiatives already that you're saying. But not enough. Well, it's 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 not enough because it's not the private sector's problem. It should be our governments that are getting involved. Like people, people, people tend they want people that work their asses off for the things they have to go and fix all of everyone's problems. No, get your lazy fucking ass up and work for your goddamn self. However, I would say, though, that capitalism and this whole system is in place so that way ingenuity and the private sector does want to solve these problems yeah and they have the choice to if they want to they have the choice to do what they want to do with their money i think that there should be a cap on how much money you can make and then the rest goes back into government just so then someone can have enough money that they can live the life they want to. i would do that as the government is wait one one person at a time as long as the government is still putting it towards these other projects i just said before that would be a perfect world i mean obviously this isn't going to happen but just thinking about it like that would be amazing if they actually had to do that like it doesn't make sense why people can have billions of dollars that they'll never use that doesn't make any sense. That Never doesn't use. Okay, when benefit people look anyone. at the net worth of someone, do they think that's actual cash, liquid capital that's sitting around and ready to be invested? Do you but understand that liquid capital and assets are being developed within a company? Okay, that money is not just cash sitting in someone's bank account. So it's not real. <laughs> like the right, money correct. is real, but like it's not. Which it's is, not yeah, it's not it's, real. It's not real as in. It's valued. The, Elon as Musk said money. it best. Money, money is just literally Paper. data that we can use to collect and understand transactional processes. That's all. Da- that's all money really is. Is it's just a data collector. It's we just a computer system. It, that's, it's a, when you look at it, at the end of the day, it's a paper bill, okay, in the And US. it has worth because of society, it, because we decided worth. it has value. Yes, exactly. There's not even a gold standard anymore because Nixon got rid of that. 
which is ridiculous. It's literally worth nothing. Even gold is not worth anything or diamonds. It's just someone decided this is this much because it's pretty and shiny. And I that's mean, how much this is going to gold has actual value cost. when it comes to depreciation of weight and stuff and skill. I mean, that's how... I, I would say things that are valuable are things that you can actually use. Like food, water. That should be what we're using our money for, but we're going to use some what do you mean? paper. I mean, it's not actually viable to use money. I mean as food and water but like in in terms of making money cloth something that's worth something then why not put it towards food or or water like having okay this food is worth this much money or whatever or if you're really good at baking like the top baker then your food is worth a lot versus if you're shit at it you know what i mean just one way to describe it i don't understand that food is worth a lot because we need to eat every single day and it's we need to drink every day. Money is paper. So we what, don't now everyone has to create their own food in order to have money. That'd be lit, wouldn't it? Not really. I don't. No, see. It, it would be it an would, interesting economic. Yeah, it'd be system. interesting, but I don't think, <laughs> not I think feasible. There should be a everything I'm talking about is just my own system. little world of what I want. Go ahead. Sorry. I think there should be a currency system. I just don't think we're in the right currency system. I mean. I want to get to the point of where we're putting in camps now in Germany, possible camps of if you're not taking the COVID vaccine, you're getting put into a camp similar to a concentration camp. Okay, those are the things we should be talking about. Well, let's talk about it then. We, we talk so freaking minusculely. I mean, not us, but I'm saying this world focuses on all the minuscule. We're living in, in an ongoing simulation. I mean, literally politics and of what we see as people is a reality TV show and nothing more. Yeah, we're living in a, a contemplative drama slash comedy, and quite literally, there's only some key player roles, and the rest of us are. We audience. don't even really know who truly the, the leaders are. The richest people are. I mean, well, the, actually, the, the the richest people actually live in China, and they're so rich that they literally have paid off the government to just live in the shadows. So we really don't know who the rich. How many would you like if you took a guess? Like, would you say there's oh, over ten of these people? Oh, for sure. For sure. And so yeah, Elon Musk, you might be the world's richest person right now, but that's just only on actual paper. But the real, the richest people in no, the world. I would say not even on paper, publicly. Yeah, publicly, publicly. We will have no idea who the actual richest people ever are. You think the? Do you think? Yeah, you. If you think that the CEO of Foxconn is not living in some high ass, you know, high end place. On the coast of uh, China, you're kidding yourself. It's funny, though, in, in terms of, like, rich people, because in every single movie where there's a disaster, all the rich people are saved first, and then everyone else is like, oh, well, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is true. I mean, that is in a lot of... I mean, that's kind of real life, too, though, if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it is, to a certain degree, I'd say. Because they're smart. Smarter. I mean, wealth creates knowledge. But I also think there's a lot of people that are very smart that have no wealth. And that's because they've given up. There's a and lot I think of when you give up, well, they might not have given up. They might see building wealth and growing their career as, as fruitless, as something that's a waste of your time when really the true enlightenment and the true sinking is just understanding and having the knowledge for yourself because they might see that you can't change everyone else. <sighs> but this is the thing again. People, they're, being, they're fine being content. I'm not... I'm literally not content until I'm above all of the bad in this world. You know what I'm saying? We got to get to well, like I, the reason why I work so hard is so I can get through all of this past this fake stuff or be hopeful oh, that eventually I can. This is a huge thing. I'm I'm looking into this hidden billionaires and it's a huge thing all over the world. There's um this article is specifically speaking to Russia. There's 
tons of billionaires oh, in Russia that we have no idea. We about. have no idea how much Vladimir Putin is worth. He's probably worth I, uh, 70, significant. Seventy million minimum. Oh, minimum. minimum. I, I'd say it's Did way you say more. Seventy million. Yeah, this article here. Bro, oh, seventy no, million. Se- is... Seventy billion. Some estimates put Putin's net worth at seventy billion. Yeah, not seventy million. Some. <laughs> that would be. I mean, that's still a lot. But for Putin, that's like that would be nothing. That would be chump change for him. That's insane. That is insane. Is that why he rules Russia? Because he has so much money, and because he's just terrible. Oh yeah. I mean, but also though, the Russian people love him. They adore him. They adore him as leader. a leader. He's they they absolutely fierce. adore him. Well, they said okay. So in this article, they said seventy billion, and then it said two hundred million. So what is it, guys? Okay, first of all, two hundred million wouldn't even make like comprehend that. You think really? Well, he no. I mean, just on the How picture, about the it whole Roth, a, the Rothschild family? All oh, yeah. of the siblings, each of them are a billionaire combined. Their family is over two trillion dollars of worth. Who are those people again? The Rothschilds. No idea. Yeah, they're, they're the richest family. They own. They're a bank. They're they're a trust company. The Roth Rothschild. It's I think it, it's it's something uh, bank related. I know that. They're no a bank. They have a bunch credit of union. I want to say or trust. It's company. a uh, multinational investment bank and financial service yes. company. Yeah, that's what. I, in 2008. And they are controlled by French and British branches of the family. I don't know if it was the. Was it just 2008? The banks took all the money when they shouldn't have. And they should have helped well, out the people. Well, it was the people. Ponzi schemes that really took, took a lot of it. Do you know what I'm talking about, though, in history where the banks went under and then the government had to save them? And um, the banks owed a bunch of people a bunch of money. And instead of paying those people back <laughs> out, they um, gave themselves high raises and stuff like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. Was it the Ponzi scheme or something else? My I dad mean, complains about yeah, it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was something related to that. I think it was two thousand eight. I think yeah, it was that. Because that's what yeah, it's started. around the, the crash, and and I think it has to do. Well, with it had to do with the market. Uh, it had to do with the housing market crashing, and then the banks failed, and then the recession we, happened. All right, yeah, guys, this has been an amazing conversation. We we touched a lot of really really interesting topics, and I I really look forward to hearing maybe what some of our viewers have to say, or if. If you're liking the show, reach out to us and let us know. And uh, we look forward to giving you more episodes. Stay tuned for this Friday. We have another amazing interview coming up, and we can't wait to drop that for you guys. And uh, we're just in the works for creating more content and really, really opening on on a multifaceted of conversations of many different topics. So um, have a great day. And uh, I challenge you for this week to get into uncomfortable conversations with people and really make sure that you listen to their opinion all the way through until they're done. And just think for a couple minutes about what they said and then respond. And also do not have these on social media. Have them in person. Yeah, that's the way to do it. We need more human connection in Ethan, this world. Ethan, you want to wrap us out with what you were Agreed. saying at the beginning? We got to work, work hard and uh, your mindset matters. I, I think that's that, that was a key thing in this episode is, is mindset is is so important in who we are and shaping us so with that i'm gonna leave you out here have a good day folks peace bye